0: Hello, everyone. I'm Jen, and this is Monogamish. On this week's episode, we'll be airing an interview that we recorded last summer with my friend Aneka. Before we get into that, let's talk about altplayground.net. Now, of course, for all of February, we talked about the Alt Playground Points Participation Program, where you could do certain actions on altplayground.net, win some points, and possibly win a Sibian,
1: as well as a 100 other prizes, but
0: mostly the Sibian, right? Now that contest ended on February 28th. So you're probably wondering, oh gosh, what are we going to do for March? Well, for March, I'm just going to reiterate all the amazing things that altpayground.net has to offer. Let's start talking about the podcast corner because that is the most interesting thing that you guys need to know about right now as it relates to monogamish well next to our community anyway so what happens is that alt playground has a podcasting corner where you can hear some of your favorite lifestyle podcasts like living the sweet life with lock and Trist. Episode coming soon. (laughs) Bedroom Bliss, Swinging Flamingos, Black and Kinky. They have a really good list going on over there in the podcast corner at altplayground.net. And we really want you guys to check out our other podcast partners. We want you to get to know them. We want you to enjoy them the way that you enjoy us. So why don't you head over to altplayground.net today, check out the podcast corner, listen to our episodes, and then find another second favorite podcast to listen to. But before we get even deeper into the episode, let's take a little break and hear work word from our podcast partner, Shelf Love Podcasts.
2: Did you know that 82 million households tuned into at least one episode of Bridgerton on Netflix the first month it was available? And did you know that Bridgerton is based on a romance novel series by Julia Quinn? Lots of people who have never picked up a romance novel before are dipping in as a result of the Netflix adaptation. If you are one of those people who don't identify as a romance reader, but decided to read one or more of the Bridgerton novels as a result of watching the show, I am asking Asking for your help. That's right, you. But who am I? My name is Andrea Mertucci, and I'm currently working on a research project to discover how Bridgerton fans are engaging with romance novels and how they perceive the romance fiction genre. I am the host of a podcast devoted to unpacking romance novels called Shelf Love Podcasts. And the reason that I'm interested in Bridgerton fans specifically is because this is a once in a decade opportunity where a romance text is part of a larger cultural conversation, which means that lots of new people all at once are giving romance a try. What I wanna understand is how people get into romance or don't and how new readers perceive genre conventions. So here's how you can take part in this research project. I have a survey that probably just takes about five minutes to fill out. You can find the survey and learn more about the research project by going to bit.ly slash Bridgerton Research. That's bit.ly slash Bridgerton Research. You can also find more information on my website, ShelfLovePodcast.com. That's bit.ly slash Bridgerton Research or ShelfLovePodcast.com. I'm going to be presenting this research at the Popular Culture Association Conference in June 2021, as well as discussing it on Shelf Love Podcast later this year. Thank you so much for helping with this project. I really appreciate you. That link one more time is bit.ly slash Bridgerton Research.
0: Of course, now it's time for you to hear that interview with our friend, Anika. We will put the links to where you can find Anika in our show notes, as per usual. And just to give you a bit of warning, this episode is recorded during Mercury Retrograde, so there was a tiny bit of audio issues, and by tiny, I mean a lot. The audio quality might not be that great, but we definitely still think it's a conversation worth hearing. So here is Aneka talking about her journey into non-monogamy, polyamory, and her identity as a queer Black femme.
1: We are interviewing Aneka today, and she and I know each other for a long time. I went through a whole thing where I explained that, and then the call stopped recording and ended. So I could rehash that. However, I think we can just dive in to say that. Before yeah. either of us knew the other were queer at Polly, we knew
3: each other. Yeah. Like, uh, mm, I'm going to go ahead and say early 2000s?
1: Correct. Correct. Because okay. um, I think I started school in 2000 the and then we started time. 2001, correct?
3: Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's it's been like 19 years. Let's <laughs> <laughs> let's just throw that number out there into oh
3: the world. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah.
4: Why are you saying things to make us think of our ages?
3: Listen, I'm happy to be growing older. Age is wealth, you know.
1: I'm happy to be old. That's all I'm going to say about that. My well, joints are not happy to be old, but the rest of me, I'm, yeah. I'm,
4: I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. God,
1: I guess we're re- relishing it. Yeah, we're relishing in it. So it's very good to have another Jamaican, you know, in the <laughs> room. So when we make our really weird Jamaican jokes, jokesy person, I'm like, huh? What are you guys even talking about? Yeah. But no were about not it works okay. I got you. Oh, like in the podcast, uh, the Patreon episode where Sham called it Brato. <laughs> you're just like, what is a Brato? And I was like, it, it's
3: okay.
2: Yeah, you just do to have to
3: skip that. Skip yeah. that. Yeah,
1: just like, it's okay. You don't really need to know what it means to understand the... the it was just a yeah. word. Contextual. You if if context. needs
4: be, we'll have a Jamaican glossary at, in the show notes. Just be like, all right, here's what you need there. to know. If we care enough.
3: I think that's it. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean... Yeah.
3: If, yeah. if, if 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 you want to get there, like if, if if one day you feel like, damn, you know what? I feel like making a glossary today.
1: But then it's like there's a whole like regional thing, right? So Kingstonians have different words than Montagonians, etc., cetera, et cetera. Like we can go through the whole thing. Oh, that's all that's a yeah, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, we, we'll come up with a Jamaican Polyglossary. It's on the list of things. Sham, write that down. It's on your list Jamaican of things polyglossary.
4: to do. Jamaican Party Wow, they keep giving more work. Oh God. I like it. I'll take note. I'll take yeah. note.
1: Perfect, Nako. Welcome to Monogamish. Thank you for sitting at the table with us, you know, <laughs> or a desk or a bed or wherever we're really at today. Um,
4: a seat at the blank.
1: A seat at the blank. Oh, yeah, I like Solange. I like Solange.
3: We can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
1: Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, like I said, I've kind of given you a tiny hint who Anika is, but uh, in your own words, tell us about you.
3: I, up until COVID, I was living in LA. I am a creative writer. I'm a poet. I'm a legal analyst. I have a zine and a creative hub for QTPOC, that's Q-T-I-P-O-C people, uh, queer people of color, called Eek, a vagina. Um, And I'm actually working on releasing that soon. What else? I'm a Sag, I'm a Sagittarius. Uh, I'm currently in Jamaica. I'm in Kingston, Jamaica right now. I'm a community organizer right now. I've been teaching creative writing workshops, which which has been really cool. Most recently, I had this workshop called Queer Cannabis Imaginings, and it was like a bunch of queer people talking about their relationship to weed and like exploring that through writing, which is really cool. And um, yeah, uh, that's, you know, I'm just, you know, queer, dark skinned, femme, just trying to live yep
1: i'm mean, trying to live that's to. Live. i mean so like you're a writer you're a community organizer you're a legal analyst that you you got a lot going on and oh, then on yeah. top of that you decided to be like queer and poly girl yeah.
4: <laughs> just giving well, we yourself
3: more work that, huh? mm-hmm.
1: yeah no but, i mean it's it's great i mean so what would you say a lot of your creative writing is about is it about your queer poly femme experience or would you say it's just like, you know, some people write about rocks. I don't know. I don't know anything about creative writing. I um,
4: Some people write about rocks.
3: <laughs> right now, I've, I've mostly just been, I've been writing poetry that's mostly just about my experience as a black, dark-skinned, queer femme, you know, just, and like love and just all the experiences, like, I, I have been, I like to explore, like, just my day-to-day, like, my moisturize, my moisturizing routine and that kind of stuff, like, just, like, to explore my humanity because I think, like, that's what's missing, you know? There aren't a lot of testimonials from, like, queer Black femmes to be like, this is how I'm living, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is how I, I, I experience the world. And so that's kind of where most of my writing comes from right now is just, my testimony and just how I experienced the crazy ass shit in life. Oh, I feel that.
1: Never, feel that.
4: never more relevant than 2020. <laughs> I mean, crazy 2020 is, shit is, the
3: this is the
4: year.
3: <laughs> just when you think it can get weirder, there's like a Saharan dust cloud that is like covering Jamaica. Like, I. Oh, yeah.
4: Is always something else. It just yeah. keeps, keeps on building. Fun fact: We're only awesome. halfway through it.
3: Yeah, we're halfway through 2020.
1: Actually, we feel the Sahara dust here in Florida. Also, oh, it's uh, so yesterday, I mean, it doesn't. The air quality is not the thing, but the same like temperature situation that happened. So yesterday it was what 94 and felt like 102. Oh my goodness! Oh, so that was
3: great. It's so hot. Like global warming is real. You know, like so. Let's just you know. <laughs> Acknowledge
1: that. I, 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 listen. I say this all the time. Like it is unreasonably warm in the world. It's why I stay inside my house. People are like, "Oh, but you know, you have to go outside and get fresh air because you're trapped inside with COVID." And I'm like, "Do I though? Yeah. Do I really? Because outside is hot.
3: Like, yeah. let's think about that for a second. It's Really fucking hot."
1: No, it's all good. It's all good. I like, I like your writing experience.
4: Oh, I missed something. There. Did you? Did I hear something called "eek a vagina"?
3: Yeah, um, that's As
4: my... in, eek, the sound you make when you see a mouse.
3: Exactly, exactly. Okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> so, I, honest, just to give a little background on the name, it, kind of, it comes uh-huh. from this, like, universal fear of the feminine. Like, a lot of the things that we deal with in terms of, you know, just the patriarchy comes from this fear of the feminine, and that's kind of where I got the name from. It's not meant to just, like, be about or for women or anything, but it's it's definitely for all queer people that have some relationship to the feminine, whether it's moving away from it or moving towards it, you know? Because if we could all just, like, kind of just get over the fact that, you know, vaginas exist, femininity exists, it's powerful, you know, I think we'd all have an easier time. Put very, very... very, Agreed. You know, like... Yeah. We could talk about this for... Hours and yeah. I mean, I'm here all day. <laughs>
1: Sham's gonna go away at some point, but you know, I'm here all day. I mean, I ain't got nothing else going yeah, on today. It's you know. Sunday, so yeah, eek of a vagina. So it, it's a very interesting, like thing. I didn't, I, I knew that Sham was going to ask, which is why I didn't say anything. I was like, let's I just, just <laughs> let's just wait for a it second. Just I out it just I mean,
4: out. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to, okay? Like, it's you don't okay. you here every day.
1: It's like when and Velma like, says, like...
4: Jake is. Yeah. I do like the, the the name and what what the actual meaning behind this makes it makes sense. Thank you. But I'm still thinking. Eek about
0: Exactly.
3: <laughs> Isn't that like that is what it is. That, the, that is what it is. great is. T-shirt. Like, Eek, in a vagina. I mean, oh. stay tuned. Yeah, Mark. listen, to come.
1: I, listen, if it, everything feels like it's coming soon, it's gonna come in hot, and that's totally great. Like we're building, we're building.
3: You see what I'm saying?
1: No. Yeah. So let's talk about. Your journey through the feminine, then? Like, you know, consider yourself, you know, a queer, dark skinned femme. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you first discover your queerness? Let's start
3: there and then move into, like. I discovered my queerness, like, just in through my attraction to people who aren't men, you know? Like, and it kind of happened, it, I don't know, because. You know, when you finally make that realization, like, oh, I'm fucking queer. Like, then you look back at your life and you're like, damn, I've been queer this whole time. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, for me, the way I transitioned into my queerness, I was always kind of aware of the fact that there were other sexualities and stuff. Even though, like, being in Jamaica, it's very suppressed. Like, you know, it's a very it's rough. So when I had this attraction to someone who wasn't a man, it didn't catch me completely off guard. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh yeah, this, this makes sense. And also I didn't like, I didn't really think about that. Kind of just was like, I just acted on it. You know what I mean? And that was around like 2013. That was 2013. So since then, and then also Moving away from straight life, you know, straight life is now dead, and now you're in queer world and navigating what that means from from for me, just in terms of like how I express myself because I am cis presenting, you know, um, I, I don't want to say like hetero presenting, but like I don't necessarily present as queer to, yeah. so I had to figure out what that meant for like the way I presented myself like through my identity because my queerness is is a very important part of my identity and it's, it's important that like I like establish that identity like for myself but also like outwardly as well so that was interesting to like figure out what that looks like for me like sometimes it means like I pull my socks up really high or like, you know, or, you know, just like queerness is that is what queerness is, you know, it's like very subjective, very fluid. So that has been my journey just to figure out like, okay, yeah, great. Queer? Fuck. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? And um, at first, actually, I thought for a while, I mean, I went through my, this is going to sound, it's going to sound no way, but whatever the fuck. I went through like an anti-man phase. Like I just like, bono man, you know? <laughs> Um And it's like, can you blame me? Can you blame anyone? I mean, you know. It no happens. One, like, I can't, can't blame you. No to blame you. you. Triggers for a lot of people. Like, you know. So, but m- more recently, I've been coming into a more pansexual identity. Like, I've just been like, I think. Because I just never want to limit myself. And I'm a double sag, sun sag, moon sag. Gemini rising, so I'm just like infinitely curious, and I always want to have new experiences, and so like whatever that means for my sexuality, like that's what it means.
1: Yeah, no, I feel that. I mean, exactly. I am not a double Sag, I am a Scorpio Sun, but I am a Sag Moon rising and Venus, so, so <laughs> the pansexual Sag gang is here. I'm
3: gonna you know what I'm talking about? You know it. Yeah, I'm about.
1: exactly. No, always, always curious. For sure, 100%. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's definitely growing up in Jamaica. I mean, I knew when I was young that I liked girls, like straight up. Like when I was like seven years old, I knew it. There was a girl I wanted to be my best friend more than anything else in the world. And my dream was just to sleep over at her house all the time. Mm. That That's what I wanted to happen. And like we would sleep in the same bed and it would be great and her parents would feed us food. And that was like my childhood dream of what my, you know, Mm -hmm. our love looks like, because that makes sense Mm -hmm. for a seven year old. (laughs) However,
3: I mean, how it's just so interesting to see the ways that like queerness manifests like from such a young age, because like looking back, like when I was young, like in my early 20s, and like in high school, like I would like get drunk and like try and kiss my friends, you know what I'm saying? And like, that's fucking queer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest here. We we went to an all girls high school, so there was a, there was a lot of queerness it. in
3: our life. You know what I'm saying? Like that's so true. How how dare we all think that like ain't nothing queer was going on? Like,
1: <laughs> listen, I remember when we were not allowed to stay in classrooms after school because somebody got caught. Mm-hmm enjoy exploring their queerness yeah. on campus, and yeah, it's 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 interesting. I think uh, when we <laughs> think about what our childhood was like, recognizing our queerness and how it presented, and then as an adult being like, wow, we really were up some wild shit. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. 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 I know.
1: I think yeah, kids are in. So, Sham, no no queer, um, you know, classroom hookups for you? No. Uh,
4: unfortunately, no. I have no. <laughs> I have nothing to contribute to the queer argument, only that hey i i am I'm, uh, I'm in support. You go you guys, mm-hmm. I'll just be over here know yeah. lonely dusty straight corner I'm sorry, you
3: know, just yeah. really there. oh I mean so, I mean no this thing I'm not you know i'm just I'm just biased because I'm queer, and I just think queer life is amazing, and everyone should be queer I'm sorry, um but great hey, you know.
0: live,
4: live your best life.
3: Yeah, live your good life over here. Exactly. Yeah, you
1: live your dusty life. We're gonna live our best life. It's totally fine. Uh, so, did you find that moving to LA definitely opened you up a lot more? Oh to- yeah,
3: hundred percent. Yeah, I learned. I have definitely learned a lot living in LA for sure. Just because there's just there's a, so many queer people. There's so many different um, communities within the queer community that I just had previously not been as exposed to and i just like this is also the first time i was super involved in so many of them and it was just amazing and just like learning from so many different people and also just building an awareness for like what the world actually looks like and what's what's also possible that was a really important thing too
1: yeah no i mean, it's interesting i mean i i can see, i lived i lived in new york for a bit before i moved out to florida and i lived with family and my family is queer and you know my aunts are ministers, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of, yeah. I learned a lot of things I had no idea about. It's like, yeah, I knew I liked girls and I knew I liked boys. And, you know, then yeah. we transitioned. And so, like, ugh, wow. I think moving from Jamaica opened up a lot oh, of yeah. eyes 100%. to everything. And then moving into major cities that have huge queer representation. Exactly.
3: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. That's what, um. was great. It's great, lovely. It,
4: eh? Actually, that'll be a good question since you just said it. Like, what's the difference between like living in Jamaica and then, you know, going somewhere that's more, I guess, ac- accepting in like, yeah, definitely more accepting than Jamaica, cause most places are. So, how does it feel going from like on the radio, you're hearing like anti-gay music, and then you go to go to America or wherever, and it's an actual Pride parade. Mm. Like, what's that feel? And I Jenny like- can answer too, since you know you're also a mover
3: well for me it's just like first of all it's like once you leave Jamaica and expose yourself to like a different queer reality there's just no going back because even before I lived in LA I lived in Philly and the the queer scene there is popping for sure um, but LA is just bigger you know um, but it just is like it's so hard to describe how much changes because it's you are so affirmed in your identity when you can see someone who's like into the same shit as you you know like has your same like came up kind of similar to you like same difficulties like with homophobia or whatever like just to be in that community and able to speak openly about your experience as a queer person I think is life-saving because like so much I think of the queer experience is secrets and not being able to be honest with even yourself much less like others because of your environment and once you're in an environment that where you feel safe it's it's a game changer it's a game changer
0: yeah yeah i mean for me how how do i
1: put this i i mean like i said you know we've had different time frames and realizing where we're at right so i was quote unquote well i was living as free as i possibly could within jamaican
3: Mm -hmm.
1: the jamaican experience i guess Mm -hmm. is the way of putting it so all of my friends for the most part were queer (laughs) they were gay and you know lesbian uh so we would have our we would go to the we are calling the batty parties. We didn't do things like that. And that's something that I was doing, you know, earlier on in the experience. But, um, of course, these are things that are secret and you have to pay off the police. And, you know, you have to have special security just for these events. And so it, as public as possible, I guess, is the words that I would use. So moving to New York where literally no one gave a shit. I could, I could be kissing, I could pretty much be fingering somebody on the sidewalk and nobody would say a word. And I was like, wow, this is what I was really meant to be doing all this time. <laughs> this is not the actual fingering part. I have done that in Jamaica, but that's a separate story. <laughs> but in, you know...
4: Getting spicy again.
1: Just out there in the world, living and being myself and not, not even... It's not so much as not caring, but... Not having to care about what other people think. It's like, yeah, you can be who you want and you can not care, quote unquote. But other people's opinions and um, reactions to your situation will still present in a certain restrictive environment. Mm-hmm. I Feel like I'm not saying anything that makes sense, but I feel no, no, like, no, get what I'm saying?
3: <laughs> yeah, I get, I, I understand because, like, with Jamaica, there's an added, uh, an added layer of survival, you know? Yeah you're trying to survive primarily and that that affects how you everything how you relate to yourself how you relate to other people like how your queerness functions like you know so once you're in an environment where that what that doesn't like explicitly persecute you for your queerness that you know you're you're able to live rather than just be in survival mode and that's that's different
1: yeah and hey now i just have to worry about being killed because i'm black that's like all. there we go
4: One struggle for another. Jeez. It's hot. Yeah. And and just so if anybody like annoying from Twitter is listening. No, I'm not saying that, you know, America's like a bed of roses for for queer people or anything like that. Or that Jamaica is the worst. I'm just saying it's a different experience. So I just want to say that for the record. Yeah.
1: Just clarifying for the
3: people who still listen to us anyway it <laughs> sounds yes. mean but I do think that it's important to be able to be frank about the state of where things are at you know we gotta keep it real so that we can address those things properly oh, so we absolutely. can absolutely their, their futures you know because we there I mean anyway let's I won't even
2: <laughs>
1: you know you know let's 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 pivot let's pivot a bit so, can we talk a bit about your transition from monogamous idea to a non-monogamous idea? Because, of course, you know we have had some people who are not poly on the show, right. like one. Um, but so, you know, let's let's talk a bit about that transition. I mean, I think, of course, most of us in Jamaica growing up, you know, non-monogamy was you're cheating on somebody. That's our earliest exposure to it, whether it's through family or other community-related activities. So what was that like for you once you kind of realized, like, hey, maybe I'm not exactly monogamous, but I don't just want to cheat on people?
3: So for me, I've always, because I'm a very, like, I don't know if I'm going to say logical. I don't know, but I do a lot of critical thinking. And for me, like, I've never been able to fully understand monogamy you know like i've always been like so wait so you're just supposed to have sex with one person and then you die like that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me so i've always been kind of working with that premise so for me it has always just been to find like a safe environment in which to explore polyamory but i i had definitely haven't always had that language like i've only learned language around polyamory like i would say in the last year a couple of years Maybe like I would say one, one to three years. So I'm I'm definitely new to this, you know. I'm, I'm okay. So
4: you've always been not like not understanding monogamy, but you just never had the, I guess the framework of polyamory, exactly.
3: Exactly. consensual
4: non-monogamy and so on. Okay. Exactly. That,
3: that,
4: that, yeah. that does happen. We we find that a lot where people yeah. just they don't live monogamous, but they don't know what to call it. So yeah, that's cool.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. why we exist. And also, you know, it's the def- it's it, it's the default. You know, it's kind of what you go to unless unless you have the language to be like, hey, like let's explore this different thing. But if you don't know what you're talking about, then it's just like two like you're just two people in each other in the dark, and that can get messy. But um, so yeah, so for me, that's where I came from with monogamy, and then I have just been trying to explore that in whatever way that means, but in a in a way that is kind of like safe and mostly safe. Yeah. And I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's
1: okay. So what you're saying is that you are not going on Craigslist looking for non-monogamous people because Craigslist right. is
3: not a safe place. Right, right. But also like in my in my exploring on what polyamory and non-monogamy looks like to me I've also come across like what I don't want and like what it doesn't look like to me and I think that um one of those things is um non-consensual polyamory which I think is an important thing to talk about because I think it probably happens a lot (laughs) um and you know we just don't really talk about it um, and also, it just kind of showed me how like beautiful polyamory is when done right and in ways that are honoring the people involved, because um, I've just I, I've discovered that for me, polyamory looks like just being in relation to people openly and honestly, you know, and just having those uncomfortable communications and also, recognizing those uncomfortable feelings it just to me it's it's just such such an honest experience and it's something that I've always aspired to because you know I don't I think a lot of monogamy is based in capitalism you know it's about like one person and then like control and like you know it just the way it trickles down and mixes with the patriarchy is suspicious and we should definitely question that so That's been me just trying to figure out, um, okay, monogamy is not it. And also it was, like, designed for a purpose, you know, that is not necessarily productive or serves, like, us as human beings. And, you know, and I think that polyamory helps us get as close to this idea of, like, living as harmoniously and honestly as possible. You know, like, I think that communities can thrive if they like kind of adopt some of the stuff that goes into polyamory. I mean, a lot of the openness and the dialogue and the and sitting with the uncomfortable feelings is some stuff that we should all be doing in all of our relationships. You know, it's like polyamory isn't just like this like freaky freaky thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's definitely part freaky but not no all freaky. I mean, you know you have fun but that's how you, it's part of exploring the relationship with people like whether it be sexual whether it be like you know whatever it means it's just like being open to the possibilities of relationship and i mean i love that and my sage energy loves that and i i always aspire to just like live as truthfully and honor what i want as well as like the people that i'm connecting to you know what i mean yeah absolutely
4: yeah definitely and i think like this reminds me of something a previous guest said where what they appreciate about appreciate about um non-monogamy is that it requires so much communication between like the partners whereas you know a regular a monogamous relationship needs that much communication but there's no like they would never think to do that. Whereas, if if you're in a polyamorous relationship, you need it. There is no having that without the communication. So, if more monogamous couples like communicate as much as we did in polyamory, they'd be better off for it, I think.
1: But yeah, no, I, I just like it is very interesting what you're saying, and also very true. Um, there monogamy thrives an assumption for some reason it's like there is an assumption about what the relationship is gonna look like you don't talk about it Like it it makes no sense to me it's like I had a conversation with you know straight people because I talked to them I'm a friend some of them not a lot but some and I was like okay so what do you what's cheating to you and you know the wife was like oh yeah cheating is like you know once you physically touch someone that's cheating and you know so kissing is cheating and I was like I mean, okay. I mean, that's that's some, if that's what you want, that's what you want, right? I'm mm-hmm. not going to get around that. And so when I asked my husband, like, what do you think is cheating? He's like, well, fucking is cheating. I'm like, oh, so we can do anything but fuck, and it's not cheating. Mm. And for him, he was like, well, yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, is it going to happen like that? Probably not. But he doesn't think that anything else is really cheating. And I was like, so did you guys talk that about each other before I asked? Because I feel like Right. We have two different definitions of what cheating is here in this relationship, and they they don't
3: make sense. I I think like there is a lot of communication breakdown. Um, and also I want to preface this by saying like, I have never achieved a like successful, healthy polydynamic, you know, and um, I just, and also I think it's good to be honest because it's like I think polyamory is hard and it's like it's I think because it's so honest it requires so much honesty and for me I love that because I think it helps you identify like what do you need out of a relationship you know what I mean like it helps to like get to the core of that instead of you know like in monogamy where you just jump into a role and you're like okay I do this now and then you kind of like log out you know but polyamory requires that you constantly be checked in which is good you should be present all the time you know absolutely like this is everything that you're saying is i'm just kind of like yeah
1: yeah i feel that (laughs) i understand that yeah yeah you guys can't see me but i'm doing some aggressive finger pointing and that's the reason why she's laughing at me it's it's cool it's it's fine i know i know that i'm myself (laughs) and that's okay Uh, but yeah there yeah it requires a lot of communication a lot of open honest work on yourself also because Mm. you can't have a healthy relationship if you don't have a solid relationship with yourself first I think
3: I agree I agree and also I think um at least for me personally like my exploring polyamory like within a relationship dynamic like I need to feel safe you know I think it's really important that to have that trust because I think Especially if you're approaching something, like, as a teen. You want to make sure that, like, that person has your back. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like it's hard to... If, in case anything gets weird, you know? Like, in case...
1: Yeah.
3: You know, I, mean, I mean, if we're dealing with people here. Who knows what could happen? And especially <laughs> in a sexual dynamic, like... Man, like... I encounter strange things, like... On the way to the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Like... Yeah. So... I think um, it has shown me when I what I personally need like in uh, to have a a, a healthy polydynamic. I think within in within my relationship to others is just to feel secure in my relationships with the other people you know and I think mm-hmm. I, I think trust is important too um, yeah. but then also so i I always think about like Actually, I won't. That's just like a random brainstorm. I won't go down that road. I mean, but
1: now I kind of want to know what the road is. Like, no, I feel like we kind of need to take it there. Like, let's take a mosey on down the road. Let's take a stroll. Let's.
3: <laughs> okay, so I was just thinking, like, because I am, I'm single now. I'm, I'm married, but I'm separated. So, but, and I identify as a poly non-monogamous person. Right I think, but like, can I be sure if I'm not like actively in relationship with others? You know what I'm yeah. saying
1: yeah that that's definitely an interesting thought. I've had a similar thought because i'm I'm single on many fronts right now. well, not technically single, I am dating people, yes, to the people that I date who listen to this podcast. I am not hiding you i I do date. it is happening. I don't want to get a phone call later and they're gonna be like, excuse me, I listened to this interview, and you said.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It, is my, it. it is my nature to be shady as a Scorpio. However, I'm
3: going to Come be in honest about here. this.
1: So, yes. Uh, but, yeah, it's like now that I'm not presently engaged in a serious relationship on any front.
3: Yeah. So,
1: does that mean that I am not poly right now? Is this something I can turn on and off? But I think of it the same way that I think about my queerness. It's like this is just a part of me. And uh, if I'm dating a woman, it doesn't mean that I'm a lesbian. Or that you know, and if I'm being a man, it doesn't mean that I'm straight. So I I try to frame it that way in my head. So it's kind of like just because I'm not actively doing it right now, doesn't mean that's not who I am. And then also I have the right to change my mind, because you know. Damn right. You are damn right. I can just, I mean, sexuality is a spectrum, and I feel like relationship types are also because.
3: Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, it's all a spectrum, you know. And also like for me. I think like, as I was trying, I mean what shall I say? I should say that I think trying to explore uh, or being t- like two poly people in a in a committed relationship i I have some really good examples of what that looks like, and I can see that it takes a lot of trust I mean you know because I think we, we try to not be petty. Like we try to move away from those things like jealousy and stuff, but like people get jealous and you, and you have to be able to say like, I'm feeling jealous or like I need attention or, you know, like whatever the tiny thing is that you're feeling, like you have to be able to like identify that and verbalize it. Otherwise, you know, like, cause you're responsible for your feelings and you're responsible for communicating them. And I think if you don't have that communication, if you, if, If for some reason, like, that communication is hindered, like, if you don't feel safe or, like, or or you feel like that person just is not accommodating you on that level, like, it's going to be, I think it's going to be very difficult to enter into or to maintain a healthy polydynamic, like, in a committed relationship.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we can, I can even reference a past relationship of mine where, you know, this is, I knew that I was not monogamous, but we were in a monogamous relationship. And that's what we were doing together. And there was a, I did not cheat. I've never cheated, just to say that. But the other person had cheated and then um, was still friends with the person they cheated with. And there was this expectation that I was just supposed to be cool with them mm-hmm. being in their lives in this way. And I was like, well, this is uncomfortable for me. And it was kind of like, well, you either get along with it or else. So <laughs> it was very much a clear you're either going to be with me and deal with this person intruding in our lives and in our relationship, or you're just going to be gone. And I made the wrong choice and I stayed. <laughs> Eventually I left, but you know, mm-hmm. we're young and dumb and in love in mm-hmm. the moment. So that yeah. happens.
3: And I, I also, I want to say two things. Number one, I want to say like, we need, I think we need more gentleness around the ways we navigate toxic relationship dynamics because like, A great many of us do not know what um, healthy relationship dynamics looks like. And we're literally learning as we go. Um, So just, like, for us to be more gentle around, like, the ways we deal with those things, especially as, like, queer Black femmes, come on, you know? Um, The other thing... Shoot. I knew I would lose it.
1: (laughs) It happens. It happens. I mean...
3: Oh, I wanted to say... um, Can we just talk about briefly, like, how infidelity in relationships is like a very it's a huge breach of trust a hundred percent and it, it like and it, i mean i just think like there isn't enough said about like what it means to like be in a relationship and then that person cheats on you and like the, the whole the whole system of the, the foundation of the relationship is like is cracked you know what i'm saying because it's a, it's a huge reach of trust. And then to yep. reveal that is...
1: Yeah. Listen, I I stayed, but I never trusted them again. And that, that was why I said it was a mistake to have stayed. Not only because the ultimatum was fucked up, but also because I knew that I'd not trust them in that moment and that I was not being genuine about my real feelings about the situation. And my limitations in knowing that I would never be able to trust them the same way again so we actually went from monogamous to non-monogamous in that time period and i had no issues with them and anybody else that they were sleeping with in the non-monogamous part of our relationship but the friendship they had with the person that other person ate at me the entire time we were together because of that breach of trust that person represented that breach of trust for me. So there was no way for me to really forgive that.
3: And then also I think I think when you have those breaches of trust, it takes a lot of communication. Like you literally have to rebuild the trust. Like the person has to believe that you're like gonna be there. So you have to like consistently be there over a period of time in order to believe that they'll they'll be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just Yeah. Didn't work out.
1: But I learned a lot about myself in that moment (laughs) and I knew what I could and could not accept.
3: Right. No, it's true. And then also I think like as like being polyamorous and encountering infidelity, like I think it's tricky because it's like you're technically open, you know, and you and you are aware of the pot like the fact that like we're humans and we have attractions to many different people all the time. You know, and we are aware that like we ourselves, we have attraction to many different people all the time. But it's just something about and that's why it always comes down to communication. You know, it's communication is so important. And and the thing is like it's communication through those difficult moments of I feel like I'm gonna act on this. You know what I mean? Like to just yeah. be able to hold have your partner there with you and like you know, just walk them through that, you know, and I think that is how you build like the trust that you need in a polydynamic. I mean, I just I just have wonderful friends who have shown me how they're just they are there for each other they're there for each other through like even when it might be jealousy you know like sometimes you don't want to feel petty you you, and you don't want to feel like you know I think there's some shame around jealousy as well you know
1: oh yeah especially in there's a lot of shame that people have jealousy around folly.
3: yeah and it's like no like the point is to acknowledge it and go past it you know the point is to like live through it you know and that's how you learn. Like, that's how you, um, I think, unlearn those behaviors. It's like, because it's fear. You know you know what I mean? It just comes down to fear. And if you know that the person is still going to be there and they show you that by showing up, then you, over time, I feel like you'll have less and less to worry about. I mean, we're all human and, like, we see hot people. We know people are hot. And we're like, damn, that person is hot. Damn, my partner is responding a certain way because that person is hot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. whatever. yeah i mean
1: i i i reserve most of my jealousy for friendships so like the fact that you're friends with my best friend pisses me off all the time (laughs) like why the fuck are you hanging out with her (laughs) i like you too i'm just kind of like why the fuck are you hanging out with her like how dare you how dare you be with someone that isn't me yeah how dare you have other friends it's unreasonable but like if we were dating, I I, I feel compersion a lot in romantic relationships. And again, I know that I'm am, I am a particular type of person, so I don't expect everyone to feel compersion. You're allowed to feel however you feel about things. I just know that usually I'm like, Shh, this is fine. I'm like, oh, how was your date? Tell me everything. I'm just nosy mm-hmm. as fuck. That's my problem. But <laughs> I want to know if your date went well. You look like it went good. Did <laughs> back out?
3: Tell me. I mean, I love that. Like. I don't know. Like I've never I've never been in that situation where I was like, "Hell yeah." But then at the same time, like I've had to deal with infidelity and like a lot of rebuilding trust and and that takes time. And you know, but the thing is like I've always been open to the possibility because I want to know like I just I love to push limits and see how far I can go. You know what I mean? And I know that I I have friends that I love so much. Like I have so many friends that I love so much. And like, you know, I just, I love (laughs) love. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, and so I've also been reading bell hooks work about, you know, her four book series on love, which is very interesting for a myriad of reasons, including the definition that she gives for love in book one. I was kind of like, woo, this is a lot of things make love. And then we spoke to uh, someone who was aromantic the other day mm-hmm. and they're kind of like yeah there's like seven different types of love not all love is romantic love you know <laughs> love takes different yeah. forms and it's like yeah having understanding that i think is so key to building successful relationships in general with family with friends with yeah. you know romantic partners that well assuming that you like romantic partners but yeah it's like
0: yeah.
1: understanding the different types of love that exist and how that shows up in your life and how you give love to other people, mm-hmm. no matter, oh, trust me. I too love love, but I read romance novels for my love fix.
3: I am a hopeless, hopeless, hopeless romantic. I mean, I love love and I love romance. I, feel, I love all the corny shit. Like, I don't care. I just, I love it. I love, I just love a feeling. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Okay, so
1: since you love love, are are you open to dating people right now? (laughs) I'm I'm not asking for me. I might be asking for me, but I'm also asking for the fans. It's it's for the fans. I ask this question. Um,
3: I'm open. Like I'm generally open. Am I looking for a relationship right now? Like not particularly, no. But I am open. You know, I'm I'm never gonna narrow down any possibilities like whatever pops up pops up so. so the
1: DMs are open to be slid into you heard it here first <laughs> I will post the links to the DMs I'm just saying people need to understand what's happening I mean you guys cannot see this video but I can see this video and I also follow her on Instagram so I'm telling you
3: thank you you want to be on this Um, I mean, yeah, I'm open. I'm open. I'm a double sag, you know? I'm here for the adventure, always.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, I'm actually going to introduce you to some more black poly people, but that's that's going to be off the air. That's going to be an off the air thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's oh. so, <laughs> where t- We talk a bit more about polyamory. Um, you yes. know, there are all these different types people are doing right now, kitchen, table, poly, and egalitarian. There are all these words I don't understand what they mean.
3: I'm Um, never those two things that you just said.
1: Oh, see, this is exciting, guys. (laughs) There are words that I know that Anika does not know. This is (laughs) a rare occurrence. Did you hear all the stuff that she does? Legal analyst. (laughs) Creative writer. The whole resume. And I just gave two things that she knows nothing about. So clearly I'm tap dancing while sitting down (laughs) in my mind.
3: Cute.
1: But yeah, so uh, I so I say that I am solo poly, right? Right now I have no interest in living with a partner or sharing any kind of finances or anything. Like if I haven't met us, great, you can tell me, but I'm not. And again, that's just the term that I use as easiest to describe what I want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't talked about this much before, but there's also elements of relationship anarchy that are interesting, you know, which my understanding of that is more like relationships are tailor-made a certain way and you kind of just, let, shit just happens. You just flow with it, whatever the relationship takes you to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kitchen table poly is more like where, yeah, you and your metas can sit at the table and, like, have coffee together sort of thing. So it's like a kind of group community community thing. I mean, I feel like polyamory is about community anyway. Yeah. So that's just, like, extra community. Because, you know, there are some people who they don't even want to know they have metas And then other people are kind of like, Yeah, I can know, but like I just need to know in case you die or something and you're there and they call me. That's the only so I am more of that person. I'm kind of like, Yeah, I mean, you can tell me that you're going there and they can have my we can have each other's number. So if anything were to happen, we could communicate. But I don't need to be getting coffee and doing my nails with them. That's not really what I'm about.
3: Right. For me, like I I don't know. I'm not really sure, to be honest. Like I've not once again, like I'm not, I'm really not sure. I'm so, I'm super curious. And like, I think it would be like completely subjective and like whatever pops up, but I just know that I am for myself, I'm committed to a willingness to be open, you know, and just to be honest because honestly, like I just want, I want to ensure that like both or all of us are just happy and like we're getting what we want and we're doing what we want, you know? like, that's what it's about for me, so it's just, like, whatever, whatever that ends up looking like, like, who knows, I don't know, like, to be honest, the only, so far, the only way I've attempted to access polyamory is within, like, a relationship that was monogamous before, you know, and, um, like I said, like, I didn't have the language, even around monogamy, you know, like, just to be like, okay, this shit is there's a lot of expectation, you know, there's taxes, there's, like, you know, there's a whole patriarchal institution that is just, like, weighing this shit down, um, but then also trying to move towards polyamory with, like, having to assess, like, the trust in their relationship, like, the willingness to accommodate needs, because, you know, like, if, some shit goes haywire. You want to make sure that the, the person has got you. It's like, hey, like, you know, like, checks in. Like, make sure make sure you're doing okay. Um, so I feel like I identified those things as, like, needs that I needed in order to move on to the next stage of, like, okay, now we're doing this shit for real. You know what I'm saying? It's not just, like, us in here talking about, you know, whatever. We're going out. But it just is, like, I I need to feel safe. And um, I haven't had a situation where I felt safe enough to engage in those polydynamics within the relationship. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. let
3: say okay. it's, it's
1: interesting. It's interesting. So let's see. What did we say Sham was? I forget. Sham, don't kill me. When you listen back to this audio and you hear me forgetting <laughs> things about you, that, and I've known you for not as long as I've known Ineka, but, you know, whatever. Just remember that I love you. That's the most important part here, even though I forget things all the time. I just want to put that there. You know, he can leave it in for everyone to hear, or he can just, you know, take it out and keep it for himself. That's fine. There is trust and love here in this in this relationship. Um, So, tell me more about your QT pop work. I mean, I know that. So, the reason why I brought you here Uh into into the monogamous pod world aside from knowing you and that you are non-monogamous and queer. Um, I saw you were talking about a meetup for Polyam people, uh-huh. a meeting by Polyam people in LA. And I was like, well, this is interesting. I want to hear more about that. So I pretty much stopped you on social media until you agreed to come.
3: <laughs> to talk to me about um, things. Thank you for your patience. Like I know my shit is, has been hectic, but we're here now. Um, and I'm so happy you asked me about the Cutie Pop Polyam Meetup meet in L.A. Um, it is run by two very cute uh, black queers, Sasha and Tracy. Um, <laughs> shout out, Sasha and Tracy. Um, it's it's just beautiful. So pre-COVID, pre-this apocalypse that we're in, um, a bunch of black um queer, poly people and non-monogamous people would meet up at uh, Cutie's Coffee, which is a coffee shop in LA and um, just be in community, talk to each other about, you know, whatever and meet each other, say hi, like, flirt. I don't know, like, I'm sure some shit popped off for some people. (laughs) I mean, because it's so fucking cute. Like, everyone who goes there is cute as hell. And yeah, it's just beautiful because you know it just to to go there um the times that I went and just to see how at ease people were and just like so happy to be around people like them it was it's it's beautiful so i'm hoping i mean who knows when when we will be able to all be in large groups again but when we are, I'm sure they will have their meetup again. Um, it was once a month. And, yeah, it was just a great time. Great vibe. The coffee at Cuties is great. Um, Sasha and Tracy are great. Yeah, it's cool.
1: Yeah. yeah, listen, I just thought it was very interesting. I in like, someone that I know actually is going to a meetup like this. And then, I mean, and of course, it was in person. Because, I mean, we t- I have spoken a bit before to polyamorous black girl about how inaccessible conferences are for people Mm. because conferences are expensive it's not just like a hey I can pick up and decide to go to a conference you know there is you know if you're not it's not in your city there is you know where are you going to stay uh the price for the conference itself how are you going to get there there's a lot of things that go into it and so a lot of poly people find their community online Mm. and so I just thought it was very interesting that it was kind of like whoa this is actually like an in-person meetup like this is the thing, Larry, like, you know, is it like word of mouth or was it more like promoted through social media? I mean, how did you find out about it personally?
3: Well, I found out because I know Sasha and Tracy, and so when they when they like went public with it, um it was like, okay, we're there, I'm there, you know. Um it was just it was just, you know, cuz I had met Sasha and Tracy on some other shit like at Cuties cuz Sasha um, is the manager for Cuties, and um, yeah, we were friends. And then they had this thing, so then I went to this thing. And it was like, yeah, I'm surrounded by people, surrounded by love, all this great energy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like w- when I when I went, I wasn't like. I mean, I'm just. It's just it's a journey. Right. So when I went, I was just like I was I went more because I want to learn, like, what are what are you guys up to in your poly lives? Like, what does this poly look like for you? You know, and that's what I love about that meetup is everyone is like doing their own thing. And like because, you know, polyamory is not it's not something that is like, you know, it's very subjective, I should say. Uh, I'm just, like, hearing myself talking about Polly, and I'm just, like, also aware of the fact that, like, I'm fucking new to this shit, okay? And also, like, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come on here is because I would want to hear from someone like me, you know, who's just, like, trying to figure this shit out. I don't know what <laughs> – a lot. I don't know all the terms. And also, I feel like – I mean, I subscribe to a lot of people on Instagram, you know, I follow a lot of people on Instagram, and I just feel like, every other day, there's a new term, and I'm just like, okay, cool, um, got it, got it, got it, <laughs> and and
1: you know, then there's a whole other term that pops up that sounds just like the previous term, and you're kind of like, what happened? Right,
3: <laughs> you know, and I'm just out here, you know, just trying to figure it out, and just yeah, we're, we're all just navigating our spaces. I, I feel so Exactly. I,
1: I talked to people about them being famous and like super experts and they're like, "Listen, nobody's an expert in polyamory. Okay, we're all just figuring our shit out individually." Yeah, and even I, if you've been doing poly for 20 years, you're still figuring it out.
3: Yeah, and I think also I think that's what's really beautiful about it and I think that's the point of it is like there is no end goal to like a relationship. It's constantly evolving and it's it's so fluid and dynamic and it, that's why it requires like check-ins at every point because it, it's 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 gonna change it, and you want it to grow and evolve and to like look different over time you know and that requires work so it's like don't even bother if you're not trying to do that work you see me because that work is crucial yeah it's hard work you see me like, hard work. Like, like let's keep it real is hard work. I think it's, I honestly think it's some of the hardest work because it's, like, it gets at who you are as a human being. Like, when you when you get down to, like, your expectations of people and, like, the things that you want, it, it illuminates stuff about yourself. Like, what are you lacking? Like, what do you feel like you need more of? Like, why? And, and you interrogate your desires in a way that I think we should all be doing all the time. But, I mean, we don't always have the chance to. And it just is, like, I love that about what Polly requires is just to acknowledge the fact that this is a, a relationship is is a thing. And, like, it, 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 it's alive, you know, because the people in it are alive. And so yeah. there's this constant, like, evolution and, and just, like, af- affirming and, you know, and just being aware, being aware of how we are interacting with people and the consequences of those things. know
1: oh oh yeah i think people forget consequences all the time so this is also a random thing about a book i read about so i read esther perel's book um the first one uh shit what's it called again this is me scrolling back to look at my desk it's called mating in captivity there we go (laughs) i remember things now yeah so and she talks a bit about the fact that um, part of the problem with monogamy aside from sincere lack of communication is the fact that we expect one person to be everything for us. So our preacher, our parent, our sibling, our best friend, the love of our lives, everything is kind of wrapped up in one. And the expectations of that are astronomical. And Mm -hmm. no one can live up to it because it's not real. And it's especially prevalent, she says, in the modern day world. So, of course, back in the day, community was very different and so you know you went to church and you had your church people and you had your neighborhood people for certain things and people were allowed to rely on other people in different subsets of their life for certain things Mm -hmm. and once we transitioned to this idea especially of the modern version of marriage as we know it this one person had to be the be-all end-all everything Mm -hmm. and it is part of the thing that's fracturing relationships around the world
3: 100 percent yes 100 percent and it's also like when you look at your when you look at your relationships like you may not realize it but like we reach out to certain people for certain things all the time like you know like people have their different strengths or weaknesses different interests and like you and a person have this in common but you don't have this other thing in common so you go to someone else you know what i mean and like that is how relationship functions naturally and i think if we just like kind of step back from this hyper analysis of like what relationships should be and allow them to be what they are, then we would see that like a lot of the shit we do is poly as fuck. Yeah, we do need to stop getting hung up on what we
1: think things are supposed to be and focus more on what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh it's like if you love rock climbing and your partner does not like rock climbing, you just go rock climbing with your friends. That's it exactly. you don't berate them for it and so right. if you want a certain level of engagement from someone who cannot give it to you you just and it should not matter if that person is your spouse or not right you just get it from the people who can but right. then there's that whole slippery slope of infidelity right and what we believe cheating and infidelity are and uh, as suppose the second book called State of affairs which I haven't read yet
0: it's on the list Shh, don't judge me
1: um, but yeah. It's just, we have to also look at that and set the unrealistic expectations
3: that we have of people and not just letting relationships naturally flow
1: and the lack of communication. I mean, this is just, everything just ties together.
3: I was going to, I was going to point that out because it's not as if, because, because we're so programmed by monogamy, like from birth, we aren't going to know that what, what else is possible. And so that's why the communication becomes so important because we have to be able to like vocalize what our desires are you know because that's I think that's how they come to you know they take shape and then also in order to say the things that you want you have to be in a situation where you feel like it's okay to say the things that you want and that also requires work and having trust to build that like level of openness where it's like even just being able to see like I'm gonna pick my nose right now like you need you want to be able to trust that the person is not going to judge you for saying that you want to pick your nose you know what I'm saying it's like It's across the board, so I think like I said this before, but safety because you need safety so you can have trust, and then trust so you can communicate openly, and then communicate openly so you can be as freaky as you want to be. Freak in the morning, freak in the. Sorry guys, that was
1: just that's my random musical break for the day. Thank you for tuning in to singing with Jen. You can vote five stars.
3: Also, um, like asterisk. Being poly is not about being freaky. Just so that is clear. Yeah, just so it's clear. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yes, our freakiness is totally independent from our polyness. Those are exactly. two different, exactly. mm-hmm. two different factors of who we are.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so I have another question. It's random. You know, that like you only really access the language around polyamory and you know stuff for the past like one in in the past, let's call it three years or less, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Let's say three years. Yeah.
1: Oh. Around around that time. What is something that you know now about polyamory that you wish someone had told you when you were just starting to really figure it out and access the language? Like if someone could put something like on the top of the pile that you did not know then, what is the thing that you would have wanted that to be?
3: Jealousy is normal and it's okay and it doesn't mean anything other than a pass it's not anything other than a passing feeling. Because I think that, I think that, you know, also in like poly dynamics, I feel like there's a lot of shame around jealousy. We said this. And, all, and I think that it becomes an obstacle because it's like, you don't want to be that person who's like, I feel away, way, you know, because, you know, I'm supposed to be open, but it's like, that is like, it's a human feeling, you know, it's okay. And it's also not something to like drop an anchor on, you know, it's, it, it, it might come up, but it'll also pass, you know? And I feel like, for me, I had a lot of shame around jealousy because I wanted to be like, I'm fine, you know? Or, like, I don't know. I, and, and I think jealousy is also taught. I think this jealousy can also be taught, like, when you are in um, a monogamous dynamic, I think that comes with the expectation of, like, how you're supposed to be feeling. And, um, I think that becomes, like, encoded in that shit, you know? But, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's one thing for me, um, because I didn't, I, seeing now about, like, how many, how how much poly people deal with jealousy, it's like, oh, so I'm not, like, just, like, backward, like, I can't get over my shit, like, this is a normal thing. Okay, cool, cool, I'm fine, like, you know, like, so... I guess it's that. Whatever. Yeah,
4: right there with you. You definitely feel like when you're poly, you know, people look at you and say, oh, so clearly you don't feel jealousy when that is not true. It's just, you know, how you deal with it, how you manage it, or how you live with it.
3: So I was just thinking about like jealousy and how I think it's like a gateway feeling to like figuring out like what else you're feeling, you know, like, is it what is there a need that you feel like, did I say this already? no no no
1: i I thought for a second i because you know also my brain doesn't work that well and no you didn't say it already
3: okay all right um what was i saying oh yeah um it's a gateway feeling (laughs) yeah it's a gateway feeling i think because it's like at least for me i i whenever i get jealous over my friends like you know like maybe like doing stuff without me or whatever and it's just like, oh, like, I think that I probably should hang out with my friends then. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe it's because you have been in the house for a while and you need to go hang out with your friends. Or, like, maybe you just need a little more attention right now. Like, maybe you should try and get that. So that's what I mean by, like, I think jealousy is, like, a gateway to figuring out what else. Because I think it just comes from – it's like a – I think it's like – I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to go too much deeper into that. But, yeah, that's my thought. Well,
4: we're definitely right there along with you. I mean – jen's um jealousy of her friends has been very well documented on this podcast oh
1: sham you missed it i i literally just told oh, okay, how I jealous i was about the fact that she was friends with my best friend oh and
3: how that. that made me feel some type of way okay you okay just so it's already been
4: covered i'm just making sure <laughs> oh
3: my god actually, I... I miss i missed that i didn't realize that you were actually talking about me
4: <laughs> oh damn <laughs>
3: oh, i am literally calling you out
1: specifically okay,
4: verification. it's
1: like, oh, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm hanging out with
3: a <laughs> <laughs> Uh
4: Y'all just missed the best face at home. Sorry about that. <laughs>
3: you see me? I mean, that's jealousy for you. It's, you know, it comes up. Yes,
1: and I know it's just because I want to be around her all the time, and exactly. that is the problem. I miss her, and so I want to be the <laughs> one doing things. Exactly. <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah.
4: And there's nothing wrong with that. Let's see.
1: Sham. what do you think? What What is one thing that you wish you knew when you were starting in Pali?
4: Oh, wow. I can't even. Hmm. What do I wish I knew? I guess I, I wish I, I, I had thought about it more as like having a support system or having different aspects in different people, because when you're just starting, you're just thinking about like, oh, it's just, you know, more than one person. Not thinking that, oh, if I'm in this kind of relationship, if there's something one partner can't provide or doesn't want to provide or whatever, I can, you know, get it from somebody else who has that aspect in their life and so on. So that whole kind of communal thing, instead of just being like, oh, I can just find another version of the same person, which, you know, if that's your thing, you go for it. But, you know, I like the the version where you're kind of uh, satisfying different aspects of yourself with different partners and I feel that's the best way to make it work. So yeah. If I knew about that in the start, I would have more framed it in that way in my head. But yeah, I know better now. That's kind true. of.
1: Yeah,
0: see? Baby Polly
1: us knew <laughs> the things that the things that happened then and how we figure things out now. I think it's the same thing like just in general as you get older though. High school me thought some shit was really cool that
3: adult me is like, oh my God, you dumb oh ass God. bitch. <laughs> like, what the fuck was wrong with you? Oh my God. And also, it's like we learn this from the community. You know, it's not like there is anything in the mainstream to, to alert you to the fact the, of the possibility of different relationship model types. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't exist. I mean, I, I was watching this, there's this one show with these white people on uh, Netflix called You, Me, Her.
1: Oh God, uh, I'm talk about the show. Yeah, so talk much. about
4: the show. Okay. But
1: yes, I wanna hear what you think. Yeah, tell me what you yeah, think yeah, yeah. about it, we'll, then we'll tell really you
3: what we said I mean, let's start with the facts. It is poly representation. Period.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's um, one of the the good things about it.
3: That's really all I can say about it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've had many discussions about the show. It's just it's like how not to do poly. <laughs> Like, they just do, did everything wrong and just, uh, I mean, ugh, I can't even.
1: Oh, yeah. No, for sure. So we, we so there is an episode that we did just about TV shows in general. And we spent a long time talking about You Meet Her. And then, of course, as the season progressed, I think, wait, yeah, because they had a season that came out around the time that we were recording. So we talked a bit about it then. So Sham watched this new show the other day called Trigonometry on BBC something. when yeah, When Sham is. was flying to England to watch TV. You know? Yeah, totally. Because
4: it's only available on BBC. So how else would I watch it other than going <laughs> to England, going on BBC One online, and then coming back. Exactly. That's definitely what I did. But yeah. So if if you haven't heard of it, it's if you like the idea of you Me, her, it's similar but better in every single way. It's like it's got, it's has two black leads, and then like the third is a is a is a white woman. But you know you get you take what you get <laughs> I, and
3: um sorry to tell you that i'm just gonna let you know that i've seen like the first two episodes of it
4: okay yeah all right then that's good yeah you I watched it follow, of us. yeah right. i watched you to the end i i personally just love the show so nice. so this is my second recommendation to the listeners at least y'all need to watch the show
3: trigonometry yeah
1: yeah he's really into it um let's see so We've talked poly TV a bit on the show before, because, I mean, I'm all about pop culture references because I was an only child. I was never really an only child, but I was an only child for a good portion of my childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, before I hit 10, you know, (laughs) my brother was born when I was like, what, nine. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time watching TV while the adults were off doing whatever adults were doing. Uh, So the only poly representation that I remember seeing on TV was Queer as Folk, of course. The Brian and Justin and their non-monogamous situation. Um, And then, you know, swinging. I knew about swingers. That was a thing. MTV's real, not MTV. uh, Well, yeah, MTV's um, Undressed.
4: Undressed, yeah. Kind of.
1: Undressed opened up a different world to me. And then, you know, HBO's Real Sex also opened up a different world to me. So it's like, what I know about these things is a lot from television. And that was kind of how I... Started figuring things out even mm-hmm. before there were really words for it mm-hmm. in my real life. Mm-hmm. However, let's uh, see, my favorite poly TV show, I don't have one because it doesn't, it doesn't exist. It hasn't been made yet. <laughs> it has not been made yet. And when it is made with uh, these lovely black people, I will tell you all about it. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I said, I, and I want it to be a romance. So I can tell you lots of poly romance novels that I read and love, and I could go on and on about that. However, when it comes to TV and, like, movies and stuff, I feel like things are sorely lacking. So instead, I do polls on our Instagram about, you know, Finn Poe being, you know, gay together, or if it's really Finn Poe Ray and they're in a throuple.
4: (laughs) I thought your favorite um, poly TV show was um, House Hunters? You know, with the Okay, the three people but, looking but for the House
1: Hunters is not a poly T V show. It was one single episode that had the thruple on there. Really? Yeah, the House Hunters, yeah, yeah, yeah. They um they were looking for it a- they had a commitment ceremony and everything. They were like, you know, committed. They had they had a thing. That episode was actually really good. I followed them on Instagram. Or oh. should I say we the podcast followed them on Instagram. Oh, no. <laughs> like we um, could pretend that Sham does most of the following, but we all know it's me.
4: We all know the dark, dark secret. That's not that dark because we all know it.
1: But yeah, no, so I just yeah, there needs to be more proper poly representation on TV. That that's really what I'll put out there. Just like how we've now started normalizing putting black people on T V shows mm-hmm. aside from like, you know, the the weird best friend or like the sexy, you know, bombshell, whatever. We can play multiple roles. You know, and I mean, you know, scandal was a thing, you know, Kerry Washington was one of the first like real leads in a primetime drama on television. (laughs) Like, as a black woman, despite the fact that there were white men involved and there were a lot of things else which are weird about the show. (laughs) However, the point is that, you know, her and Viola Davis were the ones rocking out on primetime drama TV that people were tuned into every freaking week.
3: True.
1: And if we're going to talk about Polly, I want Jadenna to uh, let me sit on his face. That's it.
4: Still. (laughs) Still with the Jadenna. (laughs) <laughs> like I was just scrolling Twitter and I was like oh what, what did you you want to, Jen to destroy you or something I don't know I just saw it I was like oh there she no, goes again
1: I, I just said that if he, he no what happened was I was playing some music for my dad yesterday because it was 4th of July and 4th of July is not a real holiday it's just where we go to my dad's house and eat food Um, but so we, I was just playing some music for him and I happened to play Judena and he really liked Judena's music which made me, in turn, think more about sitting on Jadon's space. And see. since he has said publicly that he's open to polyamory, I feel as if I have a shot.
3: I mean, I'm sh- I, I feel confident that you do. See that, Shan? Anika
1: believes in me. I-
4: I'm just saying. I'm not saying you don't have a shot. But you know, the the obsession, the obsession. I mean, hey, if you get that chance, go for it. Just just jump legs first.
0: See
1: what <laughs> I mean, trust me, I, I was talking to somebody about how my clothes just evaporate like in one of those sci-fi movies where they have like the vaporizer who just vaporize my wow. clothing. Oh, that. And that would just be it.
4: <laughs> that is quite the visual.
1: See, but you guys liked it. You guys liked it. Let's see. Is there anything else you want to ask?
4: No, I have no more questions. I, I...
1: Where can we find you out in the wild on the socials? Do you want people to slide into the DMs? Do you want them to slide your Twitter DM? The Instagram DM? Do you want them to be on Facebook? There's some people I know who like Facebook. It's weird. We interviewed someone who gave out their phone number. That was special. Yeah, but it's okay. We love her. We love her. She's just kind of like, oh, here's my email address. Here's my phone number. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay.
3: We're just, we're doing that. She okay.
4: was like, slide into these DMs. She was serious. Wow.
3: Serious. Um. Well, my Instagram is um, at aneka Jacks. So that's at N-N-E-K-A-J-A-X. Um, you can find Eek of Vagina at Eekovagina at on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm also on Twitter as Dark Queer Femme. I'm open.
4: Alrighty then. Yeah,
3: see? <laughs> I don't right. know how I could have foolishly thought that you weren't going to ask about those DMs.
1: See, that was your That's... first mistake.
3: Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: I will right, well, consider
4: this a reminder for the people, just so y'all know.
1: <laughs> DM. Well, we,
4: the, the femme people.
1: Yeah, if you would like me to facilitate some DM sliding, I will offer you some tips and tricks.
4: <laughs> wow. Tips and tricks.
1: I have all the corny jokes that makes all the goddamn quiver.
3: <laughs> well, one thing I can say about my DMs is if you're going to come into them, like, say it with your chest, okay? Listen, if you're
1: set, you're like, listen. We're playing around. No no you. games here. like Sarani said no games. we're just here we're, for this thing.
3: No, no games, no games. But yes, we want to thank you so much for joining us um Thank you so much for having me. This is the first time I've ever spoken like about like my journey and my, my relationship to polyamory so thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that because I think it's important to acknowledge that it doesn't look the same for everyone but that doesn't make it any less valid. So thank you for the opportunity. And it was nice talking to you both. And I was very happy to be here.
0: Once again, we'd like to thank Aneka for being on the podcast and sharing her journey into non monogamy and polyamory. She is taking a bit of a social media hiatus right now, but don't worry, we will still include the links to where to find her in our show notes so that you guys are able to see her whenever she pops back up into the stratosphere. So once again, thanks for that, Aneka. We also want to shout out our friends at YouTube Right. Of course, they're an amazing clothing line owned by Jamaicans, so you can wear or take movies of Jamaica with you wherever you go. And also, if you want to be a part of the Bridgerton Research Project that Andrea Martucci of the Shelf Love Podcast is putting on, we'll have the link for that in our show notes, or you can go to bit.ly slash Bridgerton Research. So now that we've covered the episode, we've got all that out of the way, let's talk about where you can find us, right? You can find us on monogamishpod.com. That's where you'll find our detailed show notes, transcripts, links to just about anywhere to find us in general. Or if you want to be social media specific, you can hit us up at monogamishpod on Twitter and Instagram. You'll find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash monogamishpod. And we also make sure to put out our three most recent episodes on SoundCloud. It might be a bit delayed, but usually the episodes do end up there. We would also appreciate it if you guys would rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and that option is possible. If you're not able to do that, you can always just tell a friend about monogamish. We're always looking for more listeners to learn more about non-monogamy and polyamory, and hear me and your fanboys by talking about the Justice League being gay and poly. So, that's also a thing. <laughs> we do have a merch shop available you can find that through our website monogamishpod.com like i said just click the shop button or you can go directly to monogamishpod.com i do have a new design coming out soon i have the samples ready it looks amazing so we can't wait to launch that for you guys boom amazing right we also have a patreon that's right patreon.com slash monogamishpod you have to type it in that way it's a little too spicy to be searched but we do bonus episodes and behind the scenes content that you guys won't get anywhere else so if you want more monogamish you can definitely head on over there and check out the content we have available on that side of course you can also support us directly through anchor there is a little support button if you just want to offer some love donations to us to help managing and running the podcast it'd be greatly appreciated but i mean aside from all that i think you guys know everything there is to know about us right we want to shout out altplayground.net. as usual they are our sponsor and podcast partner and shout out to the podcast corner it's also super important and all the amazing lifestylers that we've met through all playground so thanks everyone for joining us on this week's episode i'm jen and we're monogamish. have a good night